Hello and welcome to the HEA Book Club. This is going to be the season finale of season two. And I'm Summer O'Toole. With me is my best friend and co-host Kelsey. Hello, everyone. And our guest for today is Angel Lawson, one of the co-authors of The Royal of the I'm like really trying to keep it together. You got it. I'm a super nerdy, not very exciting person. So y'all are probably more exciting than I am. Kelsey, Weekly Hots, you want to kick us off? Yes, I would be delighted to. I had a steamy moment on the slopes the other day. Came out of nowhere. I was snowboarding with a friend. And I was like really struggling to go heel side to toe side. And it's just, it's a snowboarding term. So I was really struggling with my turns and he kept getting my face and he's like, why do you keep psyching yourself out? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just like, it's a mental block. I just can't do it for whatever reason. I can do it half the time and not the other half the time. And then he like brought out his like alpha voice on me, his like full on alpha voice. And I'm like, you just, you just alpha'd me. And he's, I know I did, but is it going to work? And I'm like, we're about to find out here, aren't we? And then I continued my way down the mountain and it was like working, but not fully working. So what he starts to do is he pulls me aside and he's every single time that you do not do a turn correctly and I catch it, that is one slap later on. And I'm like, sir, I, I am literally covered head to toe in warm clothes like nothing about this is sexy right now literally nothing and I just my body temperature just raised about 30 degrees and what makes me so mad but also so happy at the same time is that it fucking worked talk about just the psychology of that I think I texted summer afterward being like summer I'm so mad but I'm also so happy because this shit fucking works like how does this I'm work wondering who's putting this in a book <laughs> summer's job <laughs> Fiction. Reality becomes fiction. I bring the material. Summer can do with it what she wishes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a good time. There was a count by the end of the day as things happen. So all was well. All was well. (laughs) My weekly hot is very simple and it's only slightly related to the Royals. I started the Harlequin crew by the Twisted Sisters. My friends have been wanting me to read it. I told them I would read it for the new year. And one of the one of the one of my friends said, You're gonna love Fox because he has Nick vibes. And Nick is my favorite. So I'm just moving on to another series, looking for my Nick. <laughs> He's a lot. He's a lot. He's a lot yeah. of people. I don't know how many more of these we need because it's too many. <laughs> I see him in things though. Hi, I can't even think. Y'all, I had COVID like three weeks ago and my brain is a little mushy. So I have no memory. But every once in a while, I'll read something or how oh, I was reading. Y'all, do y'all read Elle Kennedy's? She writes like this hockey series. And I got real into this series. Yes. Yes. A couple months ago and I read them all. And the first, the, I, the first book I read, I maybe it was like on sale or something, or someone mentioned it. So it was like number eight of, like <laughs> but they're like standalone. And the guy says, I, 
I don't believe in transactional sex. And I don't know if Nick ever says that, but Sam and I said that so many times <laughs> about how Nick, we didn't want Lavinia to be in transactional sex with them. That wasn't exactly what we <laughs> wanted to do because we didn't feel like that was her personality. And then we didn't feel like that was what he would want because he wants to possess you. <laughs> he doesn't He doesn't want to trade. He wants to own you. And so anyway, when I read that, I was like, oh my God, Nick vibes. When this character just outsends this thing that we had talked about. Anyway, that was random. That's my thing for the week. How about that? (laughs) I feel like also Nick is either, he's going to either take it because he wants it or he wants you to give it to him. But there's no bartering, like you said. No, he is. He's a love bomber. And it's really hard to say because he loved Lavinia from, he wanted her from the minute he met her. Mm -hmm. Genuinely wanted her in this deranged psycho way. But then ultimately realizes like he does love her. But in his mind, he loved her from the very beginning. I don't think in, there's a diff, a difference, maybe? Yeah. Does that make yep. sense? Like, yeah. his obsession just turned to more love, which is still just an obsession. There's yeah. just, I don't think he, there's a difference. Because everything yeah. is full throttle all the time. Yeah. I feel like his like self-awareness of it is what changed. Like he realized the way that his obsession and the way he like was trying to show his love and get her love back was harmful. He like still wants her and is obsessed with her and loves her to the same level. But now he's has a little bit of like self-reflection. He could not understand why she did not appreciate his efforts. Like he could, he was like, how do you not like when he's throwing her in the elevator he's you stay in there until you love me yeah it's just making me sick no. but this is like in his brain this is how this works like he can just beat you down into and i think he ultimately was like oh i can't beat someone into submission which is what he does with everyone else he just makes like or he just kills you or whatever like he is going to uh, he is going to alpha the whole moment with everyone he encounters and with Lavinia it just went next level. So, yeah, it always amazed me, but also didn't amaze me. Maze is not the right word. He grew up in such a functional family, like mm-hmm. a very unique but such a functional family. Like mom is a sex therapist, love that for them, and still he's going to throw you in an elevator and say, oh yeah, they'll love me after I let them out. I don't know who you were looking up to as a child. I I think he broke when Tate died and Mm -hmm. he immersed himself as Daniel's pawn. And I think things got maybe, I don't really know if Sam and I have talked about it from that level, but I think, but they're all just, but they are raised functional, but they're raised by people who also existed in this royal system they seem functional but then again their parents are in a throuple and they yeah they rejected this lifestyle but i think it's ingrained inside nick is obviously my favorite 
he talked killer from the lords which was my previous favorite you have a favorite i really i i do really oh sorry love killian as a character like when i go back through it like i'll go back through it to make like tiktoks and stuff like i go through it a little bit more than maybe i would normally because i'm like making tiktoks or things and killian is he's very defined i think that's what makes him interesting to write and probably to read is he's very defined and nick is also defined but he's a little more of a wild card everything killian does is super specific also mm-hmm. though i really tristan i love the i love i love the caretaker who's really just psychotic i appreciated that too yeah there's something about that rich entitlement and the care t- the over the top caretaking like it, it's fun to write because he's so bonkers like he's obs- he's also obsessively thinking about her all the time and making her do these absurd things that he's convinced is for her well-being and it's for her well-being but it's super controlling and crazy so I think he when I was writing Lords he's sort of my favorite but I do I'm always drawn back to Killian's like I said he's just very very it's just a very strong character I don't know yeah and then I like all the dudes. I like Psy because I like his damage, I think, in his like journey. So I don't know. I like them all. And I like Dimitri, but everyone likes him. So I feel like he has enough love. So he doesn't need that. Sam, look, he is Sam's. That's her person. This was her first reverse harem. And I was like, we have to be even with the (laughs) affections. And she's like, mm-hmm. I am. And I'm like, I hear what you're saying, <laughs> but I feel this. And, I, and he's the character the readers love. Readers love the tortured artist. Like, we have to love the tortured artist. And he's got his learning disability, and he, he's rough. And I'm like, he's the one that everyone will be drawn to, which means that we can't give him all the love because <laughs> too much love. So... Yeah, I was real worried about that the whole time that he was getting. I don't know. It was very weird. (laughs) It's weird. Because you do fall for them and you're trying to make it even because, I don't know, I've just been writing reverse harem for a long time. So I know how I like the balance to be, what I know, reader, like what they'll say. I have so many questions about the writing process, how you dreamed up this world, etc. But I figured we would do like some quick pronunciation questions. Okay, okay. I know. <laughs> so this okay. is, I was like coming up with my own words over here, trying to recall things and it was getting wild. Summer's like, we just need to, we just need to ask Angel because I was all over the place with the pronunciations. Maybe we need to put like that in there. We have like our maps and stuff, maybe like pronunciations. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Could do that. And most of them are most of them are fairly simple. But okay, so you just said Tristan. Yeah. I've been saying Tristan because it's like Christian and Tristan. I've been saying Tristan. 
You can call him whatever you want to. But it's Caitlin. Yeah, it's Caitlin. I call him Tristan. I know there's the extra I in there. Okay. But yeah. Tristan and Killian and Raph and Dimitri and then Nick Bruin and Simon and Cy. I say per- Perel- Pirelli. Is that right? I don't know. I'm like, like, y'all like <laughs> wait, isn't there an N in there? I have to look up how to spell it like every time because there's a lot of. I so you say, know, I there's like too. So Sam is the one who is like the wordplay. It's like Killian Payne, and so Simon Sai is Parolini. So there's, so some of it's this wordplay, yeah, that comes in, and it it is foresight. Okay. First, not foresight. foresight. I know some people say foresight. But I live where I live. We have a place called Forsyth, and that's and by the way, on Riverdale or in Archie Comics, Jughead's middle name is or Jughead's first name is Forsyth P. Joan. That's his name is Forsyth P. Joan. No, my shit's so fun. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> then my follow up question to that is: Is imaginary Forsyth in Georgia? So Sam says it's New Georgina. <laughs> Sam's from South Carolina and I'm from Georgia. So we lean southern. Okay. But it's it is un undefined. It is undefined. But okay. I would say our like geographics or that's that sort of it's made up. It's totally made yeah. up. We just make it up. We make up stuff. But somebody was asking me about it, but I think about the city of Decatur. Mm-hmm. City of Decatur is four square miles. And inside that four square miles, they have a university, they have a college, they have a town, they have a giant cemetery. They have, I used to live in Decatur, it's north, south, east, west. Like they, they, they yeah. have quadrants and, and you've got all the things there. So in my mind, that's sort of like where I, that's a small, I can see that. yeah. that's a small town, but it's a small town inside a big town. Yeah. In a city. Yeah. So in yeah. my mind, that's how I envision it. I can't say Sam envisions it the same way because she doesn't live here. That's how I think about it. Okay. Cool. And then Lavinia's last name is Lucia. Lucia. I got that one. That was one of my. It was one of Superman's like arguments. Luce, you could say Luce, Lucia, but. I don't see know. It. I'm gonna like people can make up with them. Whatever. If you ask me what things in Harry Potter were, I'd be like, I don't. I'm here's what I made up. Severed. I, I just be like, here, doesn't it have an N in there? <laughs> okay. We just had literally the same exact conversation about Hermione and like how people pronounce that when Harry Potter first came out before the movies and how everyone, whenever they read a book, it's just like whenever you first see a name, that's what it is. The first time you yeah. read it. That's what it is. And it's I don't just think I your own personal canon. It was Hermione. I don't know if my brain knew it was Hermione until like I heard that. That's- yeah, I'm sure when I read it, because I read it when it came out. I'm sure I was like, now I can't think about what I thought it was, because we all know that's <laughs> what it is. But yeah, I probably put some extra letters in there that weren't really Hermione. Yeah. It was a tricky one for little me. kids were like what yeah i think that was all of my pronunciation question another question was the idea of ladies dukes etc 
inspired by fraternity sweetheart? Yeah, I don't know. I know what that is. I'm not, Sam's probably a little less familiar with like fraternity. Like I have a college age daughter who actually was in a sorority until this current year. And my brother and sister were both in sororities or sorority fraternity. And, and we're from the South and it's, I was not, but it's part of the culture. And so, yes, I don't know. I think I came up with the term house girl and I don't think I, I've thought about later, like it would have made more sense to call her like a sweetheart, but I don't think I did make that original connection. I just wanted I wanted it to be like a position. I don't, I can't totally tell you like where that came from at the time, but I knew that I wrote the most of the first draft of that. And I knew I just wanted her to be in the house and to be their girl. (laughs) (laughs) Like I wanted it really clear that she belonged to them. So I do think probably the sweetheart thing was in my mind, but at the same time, I can't take credit for being that connected. But, but the, my daughter was going through Rush in around the time that we wrote this and, and it wasn't really inspired by this, but she would tell me things and and so basically, let's start back. Sam and I just, we wanted, we had written our press and prep series, which is high school. And we decided we wanted to go darker, but we wanted more new adult college environment. And so we could push these boundaries a little bit more. And so we were just like, what are the pieces we want in this? And when we were doing college it just made sense to do fraternity and then it was bananas from there i can't really explain the pieces of it but we just knew the tone we wanted and so we started just putting the pieces together for that tone but at the same time my daughter would be like there's a fraternity and the rumor is that if you sleep with them, the next day they give you a plan B. Oh like, my gosh. Like, this is the rumor. And who knows if that's true, but it's a great urban legend that the whoever, whoever's, yeah, my gosh. these things are these assholes that do this, whatever. <laughs> so she would tell me these stories, and then I would go online and look for crazy stories, which are harder to come by in a way because they don't tell stuff, but my daughter will tell me like all kinds of crazy stuff. So the truth behind the Lords is that Sam and I, we've known each other for a long time, like over a decade. And we like a lot of the same elements, story elements, and some of them were dark or the romance or whatever. And when we were writing press and prep, like we were doing more like enemies to lovers and trauma. And we were exploring. I had written some outside the harem bully. I hadn't really gone into bully bully. And as we were just talking about it, we were talking about doing this series and maybe going a little darker. So we were, I don't read a lot of dark romance. And I don't just say this is 100% true. And I don't, so when I say this, I'm not saying, oh, I read all these books and I didn't like it. No, 
we were looking at some and I was like, I'd be like, do you think this is dark? And she's no, I don't. And I'm like, I don't think it's dark. And I'm like, and this is why every time I would try to read it or as I was trying to understand dark romance or bully romance, I didn't understand it because I'm like, this isn't dark to me. So we were like, if we do this, if we as Sam and Angel do this, it's not going to be what's out there exactly. Like neither of us have, I know Den of Vipers, neither of us have read Den of Vipers. I've read a little bit of like Havoc a little bit or some others. Like neither of us in this, we take most of our inspiration from like TV and Mm -hmm. like old school like Buffy or that's where most of our stuff comes from we don't really take it from like other books as much I, I do read like some Regency which can have that darker in a different way with the guys that are just they're awful but they don't have any rules the patriarchy rules are so different yeah. that they can be terrible in this super sexist way you can see some echoes in that in our yeah series right. now <laughs> I didn't start reading those until I like saw Bridgerton. So I was going to Regency even. And anyway, like we love, we talk about Harry Potter. We both love Draco fan fiction. And so we love Draco. So he is like one of our ideals. So we'll be like, what would Draco do? Alternate universe Draco, who's the worst. So that is how we, we, it wasn't, we really didn't go into it as what can we do to be shocking? It was, what do we think is dark romance? So we set up the world to accommodate that outcome a group of guys with no rules that's their fraternity and the hierarchy of the legacy and we knew we wanted the stepfather a stepbrother stepfather situation in it which led to this sort of generational aspect so I will not say that we went into this knowing that it was going to become this bigger series. We really didn't know when we wrote book one because Sam had ever written a reverse harem. We had never written anything this dark. We hadn't written like a series together because the other books were standalones. So it was just an experiment that ended up going very well. And it's it like totally hits our like sweet spot of dragging in all of this trauma we love trauma and and what i discovered about myself in the last year i you can't see on my bookshelf i still have all my v sanders books from when i was a kid and i'm older than y'all i was like this was like crazy v sanders stuff i we didn't have harry potter we had to be sanders that was our young adult novels and have y'all read these there's not Oh, girl. Oh, my goodness. They are filled with incest and they're like gothic romance. They're crazy. They're crazy. Flowers in the Attic is about four children who have to move to the attic because the mom is trying to get her father back in her father's goodwill because she wants his money because she's a widow but the reason she's not in her father's goodwill is because she actually married her, like, half-brother. 
and had four kids. And then it becomes this generational trauma. And there are like 20 different series in this. And when I was like 12, this is what I read. (laughs) And it, it, I can't even imagine. It deranged (laughs) me. Yeah, this is kind of like what were people's parents doing in the 80s? These things <laughs> we were doing. So anyway, I read these books obsessively. I still have my collection. They're crazy. And at some point, I was like, like this year, one of the movies came out. And it went over to my friend's house to watch it. And we were like talking about it. And we were laughing about it. And they were like, what is this? And I said, this is my series that I'm writing. This is it. This is it. And I was like, I can't believe this is what I've been writing. And it all makes sense to me now. Because I'm just, re- I, I finally realized this is the story I'm telling. But this story, our stories actually have a happy ending. Oh. And Casey Andrews are just destruction all <laughs> Like, there's no happy ending. Every time you think something good's going to happen, it's so much worse. That is what I realized. And I'm, it was like an epiphany and the end. That's my story. So none of this will make sense to you because you don't read V.C. Andrews' book. But no, but you described it pretty well, though. Like, it helps give us a taste as to why. That is literally 1% of the banana pants. Oh, there's dead children. There's poisonings. There. Are these banned books? Like, I just can't ever imagine these in the library. Other, to be honest. They were not in, in the library. Like, I would get mine at the, like, used bookstore. But, like, okay. we all read. It was crazy. I was, like, way too into it. But they completely... So I think this is why when people are like, I'm writing a dark romance, I am like, is she walking through a maze to go find her uncle who she's in <laughs> love with? And he's blind? <laughs> And doesn't know, and it's and she's hiding from her dad, who she doesn't know is her dad. And yeah, it's so much. And there's so many of these. There's there's a whole bunch of them, and they're so great. Yeah, there's one series called Heaven, and that I the character named Heaven, which is who I named my series. The Allendale Four has a character named Heaven. Like, I've always been obsessed with these. So I didn't realize my obsession until, like, this album was coming. <laughs> anyway. So this is why when, and Sam, like, totally gets it. So when we're, like, people are, like, let's write something dark. We're, like, that's not quite there. Make this more. Because obviously they didn't read these Andrews growing up. Yeah. <laughs> they're all they're so bad and they're so bad oh my god i'm starting to wonder about the people who are currently writing dark romances i wonder what their age range is we're seeing on the market and how that is also affecting because obviously they they may not have the same upbringing as you did the same kind of like history as to what darkness is and now i'm just curious like statistically like i wonder what the uh, the age range is sam is younger than me but we cross media but yeah that may be <laughs> i'm just wondering oh my god you were not an unsupervised child in the 80s so, <laughs> whose mom was just glad you were reading a book and wasn't yeah. what you <laughs> yeah. yeah no these were not your life school library no they're in like the occult section like mm. they're like gothic 
I don't even know what they are. They're not romances. They're terrible. They're nightmares. They're like nightmares. They sound like nightmares. This is like way off the thing. So anyway. (laughs) So. (laughs) Fraternities. Back to the fraternities. (laughs) (laughs) It does kind of make me think, though, of redemption arcs and how, like, somehow... You go from wanting to kill these people, thinking there's yeah. no way they're possibly going to be able to redeem themselves, to being in love with them. How do you do that? Is there a plotting process? So that... Sam is like deep character. She is like deep character. And will come up with these, I really want someone who is physically scarred. And no. I don't want to say it in a way because it also sounds great. So let's see. Well, like size horse cock. So we, wa- we wanted such a character yeah, with yeah. a big D. And, but we didn't want him to be like the super lover. We wanted him to have this like dysfunction and that he does. And like. It's really body dysmorphia. We do a lot of we do a lot of psychology research and we draw on personal experiences of like people we know or family that may have some mental health things. Just be honest. So we try really hard to make it as realistic as possible while also being completely ridiculous. Like Remy's bipolar, I think in is realistic life is not because this world doesn't exist in reality so you're combining elements of what would a bipolar person do if his father was a secret <laughs> crime lord that no one knew about so it's just these weird elements so we do we do a lot of talking like yesterday we had a conversation about what Sam was working on a graphic for the Kickstarter and we had a 30 minute conversation about the Count's house and what kind of house they would live in and what elements it would have and for who these people are has to meet Matt. So the the dudes Mm -hmm. in the bell tower because they're like the kind of rejects of the they're the on a sorority and fraternity you would call it like high and low tier so i do did learn a lot from my daughter about the hierarchy of sororities and then we try to flip that into these people and the crime organization of like how these two mix together so we do we talk about it like a lot like it's a lot and i do most of the plotting and Sam does the deep character, and then we just draw it all, all in. How do you guys divvy up the writing? Usually, I do the draft, and I used to do like with Lords, like I wrote like the whole draft, and then just gave it to Sam, and then she went back over it. But now we write a little closer together. Like she's more like invested in the plot. Like then I was just putting it out there. So now we write, I write maybe a couple of chapters ahead and then I send them to her and then she goes. So we both go over every chapter. There's no, I write this character, she writes that character. We may be like Remy's voice was so distinct 
that I would leave that just Sam had a little bit better handle on that. And I think she felt like I had a little bit better handle on Lavinia a lot. And so if that's the case, we just fill it out a little bit more. I know there are things she wants to really dig into. (laughs) She'll have some crazy scene she wants to write. And I'm like, I left this space. Like, this is how to get to this part this is where you're going this is where it needs to go to and you can fill this part in so you mentioned how like lords was an experiment almost now obviously the series is very interconnected like the different trilogies do you have all the houses plotted out and how they're all going to interweave or is it like you chunk out one series at a time we just the prince is a little bit heavier in the okay. lore. we knew they had this breeding kink and we weren't quite sure if the readers were ready for our breeding story the readers are not ready for breeding, but I don't know if you're ready for what we're going to do. I don't want to over talk it, but some of it is us finding our footing of where we want to take. It's, again, it's never like, what crazy thing can we do? It's never like that. It's <laughs> more like, how do we make this? Because the Lord set the tone. And it's like, how do you know, these are their peers. You know what I mean? These are their peers. This is who Killian fears or has to work with. And they can't be, they can't be weaker. And, and the weakest would have been Perez. And we know how that ended up. Yeah. Whole counts. Like they're, there is a, that was like a weakness. And even in their weakness, they're dangerous people. We still flesh it out as it comes along. After, as we wrote Dukes, it became clearer and clearer. I think of where we want want this to go. We have, so people will be like, oh, I wish you were writing the Barons. And, and I'm always like, you're not ready for the Baron. You're not ready for the Barons. We're not ready because we haven't developed them to the place where you where the reader will get the most out of them does that make sense? i feel like they're gonna be wild once we get like around we to ha- it y'all have no idea what we have y'all don't even, you don't even know it's gonna be a lot we've got to build that up a little bit more to to for us and for everybody else if that makes sense So it seems like you're ready, but you're not ready. No, I don't think I'm ready, personally. Because I see what you did with the Dukes at the end of Lords, and and I saw exactly when you guys decided to introduce, like, the princes way more, and I'm like, okay, that's the setup. Like, I'm understanding their inter-house culture, so that way when you come out with the next series, like, I'm going to be ready for it. So I feel like we have hints of it. I know I personally, who am not a dark romance reader, I know that I'm not ready for it. I need more preparation myself. Poor Verity's about to have a hard row. Yeah. Verity, these are my theories, and obviously you can't confirm or deny them, but I feel like Verity is Ashby's actual daughter, and that's why there's, like, the whole stressing of the other Ashbys are not related, so they can... Then there's, like, the adopted brother and the secret bio daughter. Anywho, those are my theories, but I also 
when I was reading Lords, I was like, I don't know how they're going to do the princes because they're just like spoiled, nice guys who are like doted on them. And I'm like, it's not going to fit. But now that we've gotten more like tidbits of like their rougher side, I'm like, they're going to take breeding to the next level and it's going to be so dark and perfect. So it's going to be a lot. We can't, we haven't started because we've had to get our Kickstarter stuff together. Sam is like next level with these graphics. So that's all done. But we had to get it. We had to take a break. It was like a lot. The Dukes, end of the Dukes was a lot. And the Kickstarter was a lot. We just did not anticipate it doing what it did. We're like next level. But yeah, we are like, we talk about it like every day. And we have like notes. And we go fill in the notes. And we're getting there. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. So excited. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a ride. That's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be a ride for everybody. I think so. I think so. Hopefully it like works. I don't want to oversell it. I don't know. But I'm excited. I don't think you can undersell it. The princes are, I think the best way to say it is like how they appear on the outside is not what is happening at the Purple Palace. That's Mm -hmm. not. Yeah. It's it's two different. The facade and, and reality. Yeah. For everybody. To talk about like the plotting and how like the whole point is to get you to love these like irredeemable characters. Do you have like certain beats that, that you're like, okay, does it does the redemption arc come naturally to you or is it something that you like actively have to try to work in? For me with Nick, the turning point, I like in the beginning, but that's like my own issues. The was like the crypt and him like willing to die so that was Vinny if you got the answer she wanted and then I was the book I just finished writing myself was much more enemies to lovers and he did like a lot of really crappy things and she wasn't innocent either but I like very actively was like working really hard and like checking with a lot of alpha readers to like make sure that his redemption wasn't off and not like it made up for the shitty stuff he did and obviously with the royals there's like an expectation of the evil stuff they're gonna do so you can have a little leeway there at least as a reader i'm like okay with what they do because it's their the universe but what does that look like on your end one thing we didn't like in some of the other books we had read was the sort of in easy forgiven like it would be like oh they're bullies they're so mean we know they love them but you have to show the whole show not tell or whatever you have to show why they're bad people and why what they do to be forgiven and this is that's the guys and then the girls have to come into play of their expectations of not just forgiving this is i think why we always have our girls have their own ulterior motives they're they're not just a placeholder they have their own story and as you see at the end they have more there's a story going on. And so for us, I think we 
we push the beats for a three book series the beats are pushed back so what you would normally maybe do book one beats one two three four and book one or three arcs right mm-hmm. book two, three arcs i think they're subverted a little bit our book you're gonna have more hardship in the second book first book the first book is the setup it's the setup of the whole story and you don't even know what the story is until the end of the first book and the characters may not know the whole story so like at the end of lords so then lords we find out that they've been playing this game and we know already that she's hiding we don't know who she's hiding from they don't know she's hiding until book two after all hell breaks loose after they are about to kill her like they're ruining her they have ruined her she has saved them and she finally decides to be honest with them this is a long road and with lavinia we don't find out to the end of book one that there's this birthday deadline that she's gonna go back to her dad regardless of this deal that nick thinks that he's made his deal is moot killian doesn't know what's going on there they think that they're the leaders they're not the leaders the kings are the leaders they're not running this but then it solidifies that they know okay we have to get control because these people are effing with our lives all the time and now that they're in love they're messing with their women and talk a lot about that how the kings make them take these women to manipulate them. They want them to care about them so that they're more malleable to the higher ups. So it's just complicated. There's a lot. I don't even know sometimes how we do it. Sam is really good at it. And then together, I think we just build this whole thing. So I don't, I think we, I, I definitely understand traditional beats sam does too i say me just because i'm doing a little more of the plotting we talk and we'll be like this needs to happen so yeah we do have we do know they've got to have a real kiss and they've got to really have sex they were real so there's a i guess maybe that's what you're saying so there's a layer of of there's the bullying and manipulation those are beats that carry through all three books it doesn't stop the manipulation stops because they can't stop manipulating because they're not good people they're really not good people they're maybe in their world or in their house and moments people so that doesn't ever stop and then but then you do have your traditional romance beats underneath and then you have your plot, your non-romance plot beats underneath that. If, does that make sense? That does, yeah. But it's really layered. And have you seen my presentation at 20 Books? I did a little bit of presentation about it. The scene with Lavinia and Nick in the loft, like the first time. And when he says, do you see it, little bird? That line 
wrecked me, ruined like, her. Yeah, I don't remember. Tell me what he said. Oh, that's what he forces her. No, so it's in the second book. Oh, in the second. Okay. I think it's either after the crypt or after he beheads Perez. One, it, it's in that kind of time zone where he's n- no longer just like a vicious killing machine. And for the longest time in my head, it was like, do you see it now, little bird? Obviously, you don't remember the exact line because you didn't cry during that part like me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's just, there's no now. But I'm like, pretty, I'm like 90% sure at some point I'm going to get it tattooed, which is ridiculous because it's like this like terrible man who's finally just, do you see it? We're like, we shit together. And it's like, you just want to see. And anywho. In your mind. And yeah. Yeah. And he's, you see it. He's, of course, this is always how it's going to end up being. And yeah. He told her from the start this is what was going to happen. That one's still um, feeling very good for Nick at that point. To have yeah. it all and come together. Especially when she was like about to go down on him and he was like, you don't have to. And she was like, I want to. And he was just like, got it. <laughs> see? A lot. Nick is so pure. Yeah. So, pure, but. Harem or no? What? I wrote like a dark historical romance series, which light gray compared to Royal's dark, and then I just started a crime syndicate series. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we balance the harem guys up and down, who's in and who's out. Yeah, yeah. Remy was and this is why Remy had to have his bad moment. Oh, that was brutal. We had to really, we really talked about the cheating. Because that's not cool. We know that's not cool. We know readers don't like that. But Remy had elevated to this place where we knew everyone would be so in love with him. Yeah, you'd take him down a notch. And it's interesting because in the Facebook group, we have a reader who does not think that Remy redeemed himself. And... We didn't want, we didn't think, she, she, they don't think that they, he groveled enough. And that's fair. It's fair. Some people are never going to forgive cheating, and that's fair. Totally understandable. We felt, we really wanted Remy's redemption to be that Remy decided to take care of himself, get health together, and to do it for her and for Sai and for Nick and for himself, like to get it together. Yeah. And we felt like that was the biggest thing he could do because he had already bought her clothes and taken her to dinner and wooed her. He already wooed her. And it felt like if he wooed, Sai hadn't wooed her. So Sai woos her. But we just really felt like Remy, if Remy wooed her, it was the easy way out. So we think a lot about how we were going to do, but we're going to do that. Killian, he showed... He finally shows up and he cuts himself and that whole thing. That was, and he gives her the knife to, to cut him, right? Yeah. And, and that's like that letting go of control and not having expectations from it. Because he always has expectations. It's always mm-hmm. what take. And, uh, and his anger. And he had to wash that out. So everyone's redemption is different. It can't always just be... The same, the same thing. Like, I, and again, like, I understand that people cannot get past it. But I also, like, but I think if Remy had bought her something 
or had done something nice for her. He does that anyway. I don't think that's really groveling when it's something yeah. you already do. Yeah. And because the thing with Haley was a result of his paranoia from the scratch and from not to hear mental he health. off his everything. So yeah. He was in a, not even in the... Yeah, so it wasn't even, yes, the act with Haley was terrible. And for a while, I was, even now, I was like, is he going to be able to redeem for himself? But the root of it was that he wasn't taking care of himself and that he was becoming addicted. And so apologizing for Haley was one thing, but if he really wanted to apologize for the situation, it's yeah. like you said, getting his mental health in order. I have a question about his mental health. So you said that he's bipolar. Does he have synesthesia as well? I don't know what that is. What is that? What does that mean? It's when your like your wires almost get crossed. So like when you see colors, they mean things, or like when you see words, they have texture on them or they have colors attached to them. I don't know. Sam would probably say that we have talked about this. And I'm gonna say <laughs> this would be my memory of being like, I don't remember talking about this. But I feel like that is probably where she was definitely coming from because she built up a lot of that of the color i had to really personally just let her do it it was so like singularly focused like in his head keeping up with these things that sometimes i'd be like what she made me a color she made me like both the colors so i needed a color chart too so it's yeah fine. Um, <laughs> yeah i think so i don't remember that word but now that you're saying that and describing it like that i do feel like we probably did talk about that so yeah cool yeah, that was definitely her with the colors. But yeah, Sam gets real into certain things and that's, and I just let her go. And he had the whole added mind fuck of after Tate dies, like going to the hospital and being like gaslit and medicated. So yeah. it wasn't like- He didn't know what was real or not all the time. Yeah. And it didn't help that he wasn't taking care of himself, but then he mm -hmm. also had- the reason to not trust people yeah 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 everybody's their trauma and their thing they have to get over and she's gonna help the girl's gonna help them get through their darkness and yeah it's just a, it's just a lot of layers it's a lot of layers and yeah so i wouldn't we definitely didn't go in thinking that this was gonna be like the crime stuff, maybe? That Daniel Payne just took a life of his own. <laughs> Wild man that he was. Yeah, I think that he just, once we started, like, writing, once we, once we added in the hideaway, all bets were off. I think that's really what happened. Once we added in the hideaway and the pit, that wasn't necessarily planned ahead. Like, we knew he coveted her virginity or whatever but but we didn't maybe exactly know where that was going to go and and i think once we started to really fill that out it created the king's world yeah and and then i have we do appreciate like that royal system like it, again it wasn't really on purpose we were just we were just trying to come up with fraternity letters that kind of matched like just bold work like a name like the name it wasn't really way planned 
plan. I would love to be like, oh yeah, we planned this from a beginning. But once we did one, it was easy. Like I said, Sam loves some wordplay and like that kind of thing. So once we picked like LDZ, it was on. Everybody <laughs> fell in the line. And but then once we added the kings, then we started thinking in this royalty system we do lean on that a little bit so like when we're so like when you're like think like fraternity sweethearts maybe but we also think about verity is being is a not a she's a woman being sold into another kingdom the way that historic royals would mat marry inner or whatever those are to appreciate that yeah, those are some of the things in there. And then, and like I said, I didn't start reading the Bridgerton books until I saw that show. We'd already written this, and I started watching this, and I was like, oh, where are you? <laughs> I kind of followed the crown. Some of those things, like the crown, the, I followed the royals like a little bit. And we all know a little bit about that. And the more we started digging into it, so it just was this crazy grouping of fraternity slash organized crime slash royal system that's just ridiculous and but we've just decided to just lean into it because we really like it and it's fun to write and uh, and here we are six weeks in i have one last question it could be a quick one did you know when you first started writing lords that posy was always going to be tab or was initially just going to be daniel I'm not sure we knew, ever knew who it was going to be. Like I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't think we knew for sure it was Daniel. Daniel made sense, right? Yeah. Like, he, we knew he was a pervert. <laughs> part of a larger thing does that make sense yeah but we knew we didn't really we weren't real comfortable with him being the in-game bad guy like it was just a little too easy yeah and posey just fell into line and that's sort of how these other kings came in like we, we knew we needed some red herrings. Saul makes his appearance and because he was this athletic director, so he could access. And, and so we just added, started adding these elements. Like I said, all, sometimes for a red herring, sometimes you just flesh it out. And then all of a sudden we were like, what has happened? We have created this thing that like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So... Yeah, I don't know when we, I want to say, you know, I'd love to say, oh yeah, we knew from the beginning, but I don't, I honestly, I don't think Sam would agree. Like we knew we were going to write a trilogy, but we didn't really know how the success it was going to have, what was too far. We had never written anything this dark, really nervous about putting it out there because it was really different from what I had written. So I didn't know if my readers were going to be like, what have you done? This is crazy. My like beta readers, I was like, you don't have to read this if this is too much. And because I don't read a lot in the genre, I couldn't be like, oh, let's 
comparable to this or that because I didn't really mm-hmm. know. So we were a little nervous about it. And I don't think really had thought ahead. That's dumb. It's no, the I truth, though. It's the truth. I mean, I'm, like a pan- I'm a yeah. total pantser and I just get ideas and like to throw them out there. And so we just had this idea. And I, I don't think we, we definitely did not foresee like five houses, three books, a house. And I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we, we it up to the end. We knew at the end of the book that Killian was going to take her virginity. That's all we knew. And we <laughs> had to get there. And then what happened next, I don't think we really knew until we were writing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, we, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It started to unfold. But really, we just knew that they were competing for her virginity. They had this contract. They couldn't violate it. They were wound up in her for whatever reason. And that she had a bunch of secrets that they didn't know. And so since we carried a hold on to all those secrets, we d- it gave us this place to start from. And then we and we just knew that the next book was not going to be easier than the first book. That's how we would, and then that's just how we wrote it. So lots of amazing things in this episode at large. Thank you so much for letting us like peep into your brain. It's been absolutely incredible. I do have one final question for you, and that is with all of the future royals that we have to look forward to. What is like a kink or a trope that you're most looking forward to co-writing? to see it flush itself out. I think we're pretty, we've been wanting to write The Princes since we finished Lores, but we pushed it back. So I think we're, I'm excited to do The Princes, but the Barons are going to be like a whole other level. I think with their whole like Gothic thing. And when you find out who the Barons are, it's going to be, going to be shocking. And I feel a little disconnected from the Counts because they're imploded and we do have plans but we've got to get there i think does that make sense yeah we kind of can't it's hard to think like nine books ahead or what's yeah so we know where we want we know what we're gonna do and we have the lineage lined up and everything but we've got to we're gonna that i think that story will be developed as we get there and lavinia will come into play because this is she's a count yeah i love that uh, just like how that, stories and that's been coming just interesting play. and i don't even know how that's gonna i don't even know how it's gonna work like, have we met the future barons yet or do we meet them at least one at least one okay and just this this could be like a yes or no question Clive Kays is who everyone public is like the unspoken, but we all know it, but you actually don't, is that he's the Baron King, but he's not. Is he another, is Clive Kays another royal position? Or is he kind of just affluent dude that people have assumed is the Baron? I don't think I can answer that question. Oh my gosh. Uh, Thank you so much, Andrew. Yeah. This has been an absolute treat. It was fun. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm like, I don't know if you, I stopped tagging you in every single episode. 
that we mentioned it because I swear <laughs> to God, every single, it's like my a nervous tick or something. Like I always have to, I'm just, I'm so grateful for this series. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. This was a delight. So thank you. Thank you. I love talking about it. I love talking about books and writing and all the things.